0: I'm Brianna Seely, producer for OffScript Health. Welcome to Vaxon. Before we get started today, I'd like to tell our listeners about another show on the Offscript Health Podcast Network, FUMS. FUMS is a podcast providing information, inspiration, and motivation for living your best life with multiple sclerosis. Join host Kathy Reagan-Young for interviews with doctors, researchers, scientists, patients, caregivers, legislators, and more and the pursuit of answers. Check out the most recent episode on intermittent fasting with Cynthia Thurlow, a nurse practitioner, CEO, and founder of the Everyday Wellness Project. Intermittent fasting isn't just about skipping meals. Cynthia explains what intermittent fasting is and the types of fasts that are available. For more information, visit offscript.com shows. The link will be in our show notes. Enjoy the show.
1: Howdy friends out of patience is on hiatus for a couple of weeks. So for the next few Tuesdays and Thursdays, we're going to be dropping our best of in case you missed it episodes from 2022 and 2021. Of course, if you didn't miss it, you don't have to listen to it, but we hope in case you did miss it, you'll enjoy the episode that you missed. I think that made sense in any case. If you did miss this episode, we hope you enjoy it. New episodes of Out of Patience, Vaxon, and some new correspondent segments will be dropping starting September 6th. Thank you, and have an amazing summer. Hello. Hello, Alora.
2: Hi, Matt.
1: It's our first vaccine <laughs> in 2022.
2: Yeah, and um, it, it this doesn't bode well for the rest of the year, honestly.
1: So we're already starting off to a fabulous beginning? Fabulous. I mean,
2: I don't have COVID. I am sick, but I don't have COVID.
1: My son has COVID. Does oh, that count?
2: Fabulous.
1: I don't. Yeah. My wife doesn't. My daughter doesn't, but he does.
2: Okay. And he's feeling okay, though?
1: Yeah. He's relatively asymptomatic. He just had sniffles so my wife being who she is <laughs> tested him and sure enough he's positive with the little pregnancy test you buy at Walgreens
2: oh yes i believe me i know i have been both hoarding the tests um making advance appointments at the drive through site researching where i can get tests at the urgent care and i am like the authority on all things covid test are you now oh you have no idea but first i have to tell you I have to tell you about my update. We'll talk about testing in a, in a bit, but I have to kind of update you on my only in a pandemic day that I'm having right now.
1: All right. So this is a good timing to vent because the whole purpose of the top of the show is just to be angry.
2: Yeah. Well, I'm I'm not happy. I, I will tell you, I'm not happy. So, is it the Incrustables? <laughs> no, but they're fucking not on the shelves again. Oh, Let great. me tell you. Okay. No. So here's the sitch. Um <laughs> So, if Are you, you recall okay? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm really not. I'm sitting here with a bag of ice on my arm because let me tell you what happened. So, as you may recall, early in the pandemic, I decided to, you know, get into shape and walk a million miles, and I thereby destroyed my feet. And then I learned how to play pickleball, and then I thereby destroyed my elbow. So, you know, so I've been nursing this tennis elbow for the past like ten months, and it's, you know, it comes and goes, it's not a huge deal. But, That apparently was only chapter one in COVID elbow, because chapter two broke just
1: today. Were you kayaking while doing pickleball and walking? Wait until you hear how Omicron just fucked up my elbow. (laughs) What? Okay, go, go on.
2: So in my neighborhood, all of the trash and recycling pickup is all backed up because the people who work for these companies are all out because the whole world has Omicron.
1: Right. Sanitation crews are all homesick.
2: Right. It's really a problem. So, you know, the the township told us just leave your cans at the curb and like we'll get to them when we get to them. Okay, fine. So I clean out my refrigerator today and my husband takes the trash, puts it in the garage, and I walk out and realize. That we were on the lucky list because our trash got picked up today. And I was so excited that our trash got picked up that I yanked up the bag of garbage in my garage and I wasn't paying attention in my enthusiasm to just get that sucker right in the trash can that I destroyed my elbow in the process.
1: Oh, dear God. (laughs)
2: So it was like, you have to picture this. I very ungracefully picked up the bag of garbage and I heard like snap and my
1: oh <laughs> elbow. God. Your sanitation hurts so bad. euphoria got the best of you.
2: Oh, and I was like, are you serious? Like, I have never picked up garbage with that kind of gusto ever. <laughs> and I think I just did it because I was so excited that like our day, you know, we hit the lottery today. And here I am with my elbow in a braze with ice on now would it have been this bad had i not already had pickleball COVID elbow i don't know right what i know is i'm falling apart
1: okay as we slowly crest toward 50 in three years right
2: yeah i mean i don't even at this point (laughs) my husband came in he was like don't do any of the things anymore (laughs) literally don't pick up professional
1: couch potato for life yes
2: so that's my update
1: Well, I don't know if mine beats yours, but... I hope it doesn't. I hope it doesn't beat mine because that's ridiculous. It isn't as funny as yours. I mean, (laughs) I did not pick up anything. My son is too heavy to pick up, COVID or not. So I think you're going to win this one. Well, I hope Kobe feels better. Yeah. Uh, Side note before we get to our uh, first segment, I just celebrated my 26th Cancerversary.
2: Oh, happy Cancerversary, Matt. What do we do to celebrate Cancerversaries? Is there there a, a standard gift? David's cent.
1: Cookies. <laughs> I'm going to go back to 1982 at the Woodbridge Mall and go to David's Cookies.
2: They, those were so weird, those cookies. They, they always tasted like they were sort of made out of sand.
1: You know, they were good. They were better than Mrs. Fields. I will go on the record as that. Do you
2: remember the lunacy over Mrs. Fields Cookies and then the recipe and then like who had the real recipe and then right. it circulated like it was some sort of underground? Like it was like with the same ferocity that people talk about Bitcoin.
1: No, it was like it was like Nicolas Cage, National Treasure. We must find the Mrs. Fields' restaurant. Yes,
2: and I remember people were like obsessed with that. And then I don't. What even happened to her? Nothing.
1: All right, if David's Cookies is still around and I just don't know it, and they're listening, please sponsor the show. Thank you, David's Cookies. <laughs> All right, on with the show. What are we talking about?
2: Uh, so, are you hearing about this shit going on at the Supreme Court right now? Said me never. Okay, well, allow me to just introduce you to what's happening at our nation's highest bench.
1: Okay, go forth.
2: So the Supreme Court during the beginning of the pandemic, before vaccines and all that, they were entirely remote. And this was really a big deal um, because what it did was it allowed for the very first time ever, it allowed regular people to listen in to Supreme Court oral arguments. And this was like a really big deal because they did them telephonically and they broadcast the telephone session for whoever wanted to hear it changed things on the on the court because, you know, for years, some justices like Clarence Thomas, he never even said anything. He was on the bench for like 10 years, never asked a question. But when things changed to go remotely, instead of just like having it be a free-for-all, they would go one judge at a time. And it changed kind of the entire makeup and logistics of things. And then Clarence Thomas started to ask questions and things got like sort of a little bit more orderly than they had been in the past. So-, so you know, my point is that everything has changed because of the logistics caused by the pandemic. Fast forward to 2021, vaccines come out, the court goes back in person. And of course, there's social distance guidelines. There's a lot less people in the courtroom. But the court has been, you know, basically doing well. Lawyers have to be PCR tested before they can come in and argue. Everyone is expected to wear um, N95 masks, except for the justices. The justices, they are all vaccinated. The... Uh, The Supreme Court office has let everybody know all the justices are vaccinated and boosted, but it's up to them whether or
1: not they wear masks in the courtroom. May I ask an ignorant question? Go ahead. How close do they sit to each other?
2: Um, You know, I couldn't tell you exactly inches, but, um, you know, if you think about how big that, you know, think about the pictures that kind of come to mind, they're all on this one big bench. They're they're pretty close to each other. I mean it's not as close as let's say a movie theater seat but um but it's like pretty close like certainly they could they're not six feet by any stretch. I mean oh, okay. they're maybe you know an eighteen inches away from each other
1: I see okay, like a classroom
2: uh like a classroom right like if you ever th- you know think of videos that you see about like town council meetings where you know yeah. you see people on, it's kind of like that
1: like in Footloose
2: exactly
1: no dancing okay, go on. <laughs>
2: So anyway, so that's what's happening in the court. And earlier in the pandemic, when they when they did come back, at first, Justice Sotomayor was the only one who wore a mask during oral arguments. She's 67 years old. She's a type 1 diabetic, and she was just being extra cautious. So now, you know, things were kind of getting more relaxed over the past few months. But now, as Omicron has reared its ugly head, obviously, you know, infection rates are up. Everybody's being much more cautious. And what has happened is now everyone who is in the courtroom you know all the justices they're all wearing masks with the one exception of Neil Gorsuch lovely it, to me it is to just the height of weird like there's nine of you there right and you know the Supreme Court justices very often you know make signs to show respect for one another you know they use a lot of flowery language all the time and they're very sort of deferential to each other um you know it, it's kind of a you know a fancy type of practice of law and these judges are you know, used to kind of showing respect for one another, and it's so bizarre to me that Gorsuch would see eight other people wearing masks, and he just decides he's just not going to. Um, and what who has appointed ha- him? What's that?
1: Who appointed him?
2: I'll give you twelve guesses.
1: <laughs> Trump.
2: So yeah, so he's a Trump okay. appointee. He he took he was Trump's first appointee. He took over Scalia's seat, ah. and um, you know he tends to be a conservative judge, but not not someone who. Um, is sort of off the rails by any stretch. And he actually, his kind of courtroom persona is very gentlemanly, I would say. He's, he's very collegial when he speaks to attorneys. He's very respectful. He's somebody that I would characterize from listening to him as kind of polite. And this just, to me, goes against everything I could imagine as far as courtroom decorum. And what's happening is that shit's getting real. At the Supreme Court, because last week the court came back in session. You know, Omicron numbers were crazy. Justice Sotomayor participated remotely from her chambers because she's not taking any chances. She's always right. been very cautious. Totally she, fair, right? Stephen Breyer, who sits on the other side, you know, of Justice Gorsuch, he's eighty-three years old. So today he participated remotely from his chambers. So we're losing one a day. Is what's <laughs> happening.
1: And but I mean, does this really affect the court where they geographically, you know, broadcast their opinion from?
2: Well, yeah. Well, the, remember these aren't opinions, so these are oral arguments. Oh, so, I see. Yeah. So th- these are cases where you have each attorney arguing, and the judges jump in and pepper them with questions.
1: So in person is a little more kind of a there's a better chemistry there
2: there can be, you know, I, I will say that Breyer and Sotomayor who participated from their chambers, you know, they were very active and they asked their questions via telephone or whatever their audio system was. Um, so it's not like they couldn't participate. But right. I have to say, like, it's isn't that strange to imagine that you're going to have a number of people in the room, a number of people outside the room, and just to have one person who just doesn't give a shit that he's sitting between, you know, two immunocompromised people and to just be like, nope, I'm not wearing a mask. It's just crazy to
1: me. Robert Rules of Order doesn't have this in it, does it?
2: No, <laughs> definitely not. And and I have to tell you, I have become obsessed with thinking about what is the precursor? You know, like I have no idea if there have been conversations. You know, ha- has anybody asked this guy to wear a mask and he said no? Or is it just like he's not wearing one and everyone else is walking around huffing about it? Um I, I'm 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 just really curious, and I I sort of have to imagine Justice Sotomayor just rolling her eyes. You know, she's one of these people who is sort of famous for being really blunt, and um, I my my sense is that she just has no time for for this. And and what is perhaps even more ironic is that this is all going on as the Supreme Court is considering the Biden administration's vaccinate or mask and test policy in the workplace. So they're being asked to decide. Yeah, they're being asked to decide if it's legal to have this vaccinate or mask and test policy. And they're thinking about workplace safety. And then they're, yeah, one person on the bench who obviously doesn't really care about safety in his own workplace.
1: Let's see how that vote goes.
2: Yeah, I know. The whole thing is just crazy.
1: So they're debating aerosol instead of, I don't know, what?
2: Yeah. If they're going to debate vaccines and vaccine mandates. That's one thing. But there's to me, there's just nothing to even debate about masks. You know, put it on. It works. It's helpful. It's it's not a burden.
1: Just do it and like shut up. This is the me versus we argument we have all the time about this country is either about all of us or one of us.
2: Yeah, But in this context, what's the big deal even for one of you? It's not I mean, is it you know, you're always doing this kind of burden benefit analysis. And when it comes to wearing a mask, it just seems like What is the burden? Is it really that big of a deal? It seems like such a nothing thing to do. My freedom.
1: (laughs) Sorry, I had to go there. All right. So, dear Supreme Court, thank you for doing your job. Anyway, (laughs) what's next in this fabulous day we're both having?
2: So I just thought we should talk a little bit about testing, because how are things by you? Are tests like a total shit show to come by?
1: Yeah, every every I mean, it's it's a kind of a weird good problem to have that everyone's buying the tests, which means everyone's aware. Then it's 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 New York City, so it's a totally woke culture that really wants to do the right thing for everyone else most of the time, except for Staten Island. Whatever, I'm (laughs) sure their CVSs are stocked with tests, right? But here in Manhattan and Brooklyn, they're all gone. I'm like
2: imagining people like selling tests out of the back of a trunk of a car or something.
1: An IROC Z on Luton Avenue.
2: And did you hear that the FTC um, is warning people that there's fake at-home tests out there?
1: That's fantastic. All those people.
2: Yeah. Did I tell you what I saw on Facebook?
1: Was it like a pregnancy test that just says COVID on on it? I
2: I mean, I can't even... The thing is, if you've seen the boxes, it would be impossible to tell because even the real tests have like the worst possible like packaging and stuff. Like they all look like somebody just printed it out on a dot matrix printer in their basement.
1: (laughs) I'm like, like, is this even real? Like the PSA for this episode is, if you have to pee on a stick, it's not a COVID test.
2: <laughs> but so I, I was on Facebook a couple of weeks ago, and I was looking for tests, and I and I wrote in like a neighborhood group, you know, I, I searched for. Uh, you know, at-home COVID tests, and this one person was like, I work for a distributor, so just private message me, and I was like, let's see where this goes, and it was clearly a scam. Like, they were like, show up with cash only at 9 a.m. at this address, and we'll give you a bunch of COVID tests.
1: It's like the N94 masks.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's like number one pencils. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It's so, the number one pencil, yes. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, exactly. It's the Crayola 63 box.
2: My mother one time bought a whole case of number three pencils, which what? are the worst.
1: There really, really, is a number three pencil, by the way.
2: Yeah, number one pencils are really dark. Number three pencils are really hard, and so they're very light, and they like basically don't work.
1: But there is no Crayola 63.
2: <laughs> no,
1: 62, you know, things like that. <laughs> the VIC-19. The no. VIC-19. <laughs> <laughs> On that note. I, I don't know. God bless the black market. Our exactly. humans are really creative people and often terrible.
2: Yes, exactly. Um, so you want to, hey, you, you want to do our CERMO poll and have our thermo moment?
1: Yes. I mean, it's awfully timely. We, we love our friends at CERMO. 1.3 million doctors are right here at your disposal, listeners, and we're really privileged to be able to work with them, ask them your questions and read their answers back to you. Lou, what do we got this week?
2: So today I thought it might be helpful to sort of check in as we start the new year just to get a handle on like what's happening in terms of vaccine availability, because, you know, a lot of times we create our opinions in this vacuum of, well, it's easy for us to get a vaccine. And I thought it was important to see how, you know, worldwide, what's going on? Are vaccines really available for other people? Um,
1: wait, wait, there's a world outside of America?
2: In fact, that that is what I'm told, but I haven't seen it in a while.
1: Okay. In a while, correct.
2: Um, in a while, yeah. Uh, so we asked the doctors: Does your country have adequate access to COVID nineteen vaccines? In, in other words, does your country have enough to vaccinate the whole country? And not everyone said yes. Only eighty one percent of doctors said that their country has enough vaccines for their entire country. So now, that's just to pretty quantify that,
1: we don't have a breakdown of what countries said yes and no. I guess we can make assumptions based on where we know supply chain issues are and and developing nations, but eight out of 10, isn't that bad? I mean, I I don't know. Is it? It, That's still a lot of people. It's a lot of people, but I'd rather it be 80% than like 50%.
2: Well, that's true. I mean, and by the way, we, so we asked the same question about the boosters. Like, are there enough boosters for the boosters? It was a little bit less. 77% said that we have enough. 23% said that we didn't. Um, And this this i thought was interesting that the numbers for the question does your country have more than 50% of the population vaccinated those numbers corresponded exactly to the access to the vaccines the same 81% of doctors said yes more than 50% of the population is vaccinated 19% no so that tells me obviously that if there are more vaccines available more people are going to become vaccinated and you know it, it, the availability of vaccines is just as important as people's choice to become vaccinated.
1: So does this mean that 4 billion humans have been vaccinated? Is it 4 billion? That's half the planet.
2: You know, I have a hard time with those kind of giant numbers. I never
1: remember like how many people are on the planet. And I think it's 8 billion because lots of people count themselves twice.
2: <laughs> what did they, isn't there like a psychological thing that says that human beings can't comprehend more than 200 people?
1: Yeah, once it gets above a certain number, your brain just mushes. That's me. That for me, that number is eighteen. I think there's between seven and eight billion. We're I mean, not gonna live Google this on the air here, but sure. you know, even if it's half, that's a lot of human
2: beings that have been vaccinated. Yeah, no, it is. I mean it, it it is a great success for the medical industry to see that so many people have been vaccinated. Um, but I can't help but, you know, feel conflicted just because there are also so many people who are voluntarily unvaccinated and they're clogging up the damn hospitals right now
1: well that's the thing too that leads to the fourth question which is that do you think vaccinating as many people as possible could lead to a reduction in covid variants <laughs> uh yeah i yes. think we can <laughs> 85% say say 85 percent yes like yeah. who would say no to that like <laughs> can we stop the mutation that's really what the hashtag should be. i
2: don't know perhaps neil gorsuch has something different stop to say about
1: the it. mutants my god And then the last question here, are you concerned that the scramble to protect against Omicron will lead to a widening gap in vaccine availability? Yes. And we can discuss this uh, at the second half of the show, which ties into what we're going to discuss about the new mayor of New York City, Eric Adams. So we'll be right back after this.
0: Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.
1: Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. All right, we are back, and I mean... Matt, we have to talk about this. Well, I mean, first of all, goodbye to Blasio. Thank God for that. The most
2: universally hated mayor in the world. He did one
1: thing right. I've been on the air, very vocal, but he got universal pre-K when my kids started pre-K. Thank you. taxes paid. Get the fuck out of here. Thank you. Goodbye. Hello, Eric Adams. I'm so thrilled you're my mayor now.
2: Let me say this, though. Eric Adams, and I, I don't, I'm not an expert on Eric Adams, and I don't live in New York City anymore, but I like to keep track of what's happening in New York City, you know, when I can. But- Here's what I have learned about Eric Adams so far. This dude really, really needs a better communications consultant or director or coach or something. Because yeah, it he's making like
1: a lot of guffaws.
2: He fucks up every single time he talks. And, and I'm not convinced that it's because he actually means the wrong thing. I think he just says the wrong thing all the time. He means well. I mean I'd like to think that he means well. I
1: think he means well. I think you're right. But holy
2: shit, like everything he says sounds horrendous. So so this <laughs> he makes a speech the other day, right? And 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 I mean I'm of two minds about this, and I'll just tell you what he said. He was like all over the place. He's basically saying like, look, we got to keep the economy going, and it's important to still conduct some business in person to keep the economy going. So he said, you know, listen, that accountant, you know, maybe don't work from home. I need that guy to go to the cleaners and to go to the Dunkin' Donuts and to spend money there. Now, for starters, I don't know that I need that, okay? I I don't know that that's, that that's good advice. We're living in a pandemic. Um... But okay, I get what I get what he's saying. But then, as he's going through this, he 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 was trying. It sounds like he was trying to make the point, like, look, not everybody has the luxury of being able to work from home. You right. know, if you work as a shoe shiner, if you work in a Dunkin' Donuts, if you th- these are not work from home jobs. So, if those people are going to keep their jobs, the only way it's going to happen is if somebody is conducting business in person. So right. I get that. I get. I, mean, I get. Has the point. blue
1: collar become a bad thing now? Are we even allowed to say that anymore?
2: I don't know if we're allowed to say that anymore. Right. Yeah. No, I you know, I don't know, but I I think that um as a society, we are becoming more and more nuanced in our understanding that the world requires the contributions of lots of different people to stay running. So I think that is a good thing. You know, I don't think that it's that what we want to do is differentiate, like these are the people with the important jobs, and those are the people with the peon jobs. Like, no, we don't want to do that. And I and I think that that's sort of what he meant, but what he said was these are low-skilled workers, and that they don't have academic skills. And I totally get it. He was like, if you work for Dunkin' Donuts or you're a shoe shiner, that's not an office job, and there's nothing offensive about that whatsoever. I don't think there's anything derogatory about it at all. But I think that the words just the way he said it. The way he said it. The words were the
1: wrong words. It
2: was the wrong words. I mean, and I think that this happens a lot with politicians talking about various professions. I feel like they almost always get it wrong because I have like a particular hot button thing that I can't stand when anyone says blank is the most important profession in the world. I know it's always meant well, but it's like nurses are the most important people and teachers are the most important people and cops are the most important people. And like instead of saying who is the most important, can we just all agree that all of us are important and we are all contributing to our society in some way? And leave it at that and stop making it like this big competition.
1: Um, I'm going to agree. <laughs> Thank you. What a novel idea to agree. Right. That so we I, shouldn't just say you suck and you're great.
2: Yeah. And and I feel like I don't think Eric Adams actually meant to say that anybody sucks. I think just the opposite. He was trying to say, like, keep in mind, not everyone has the luxury to work from home. So if you want to support these people, you need to go in there and do some business with them.
1: So I But get he didn't that. say that. And no. that's the problem. Newly minted mayor of New York has a Biden moment of, <laughs> of dumb fuckery and uh, not a good thing. But. I think he's really doing a good job managing the unions, which is what's most important to me, and a million parents who have kids in public school.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, we'll, listen, he has a tough job. We'll see how he does and how it goes. I do not envy him. I would not want to be the mayor of New York because there is absolutely no making everyone happy. No. I, I mean, and and because, you know, you have all of these zillions of people with completely different needs and completely different lifestyles. And making a uniform rule that serves everyone is, like, impossible. So, um, so you know, I mean, good luck to him. <laughs> right. But perhaps, like, just think about how things sound before you say them. And if you're not sure, perhaps say it out loud to someone else first. Like, right. you could call me. Mayor Adams, I'll send you my number. And if you want to make a speech, feel free to just run that old thing by me first.
1: Yeah, he needs, like, the, uh, the crooked media guys to write speeches for him.
2: Right, he needs like anybody to just be like anybody. Oh, to write that's how,
1: for. <laughs>
2: like, like oh, that's how that's gonna sound. He needs what's his name? He needs like Sam Seaborn from The West Wing, who already he does. Knew how oh my
1: god, god. yes, he does. Right,
2: I know. Yeah, or well, Michael J. Fox
1: a, from Spin City.
2: Yes, he needs. Th- that's right. My, that was Michael J. Fox was the Spin City guy who did this. So like, yep. like Barry Bostwick was a buffoon, and yep. he and Michael J. Fox saved him from sounding like an idiot.
1: Yes, exactly. Well so, done.
2: Somebody's got to have that job. Who's got that job?
1: So I have an ethical question for you, and this just goes back to my endless sort of like um exasperations of this shit show. And it just goes back to people that continue to choose to not want to get vaccinated and forget the mandates, forget anything else. It's like it it's become a legitimately, you know, personal choice. Are they genuinely being selfish? Do they have rationale? These are not the people who are medically excluded. I want to just make that. Point blank, if you have cancer, you're, you're sick, you can't get it, these, I'm not talking to you, but if there's always going to be 20% of people that are not going to be vaccinated and just choose never to do this, is the whole planet just, or are we just going to hit herd immunity by accident and they're getting off scot-free?
2: I'm going to go with option B. I'm going to okay. go with saying that these people are never going to like learn their lesson any kind of a hard way, but it doesn't matter because I do think that we're going to, as a society, recover from this catastrophe. And um, that is based on absolutely no medical knowledge at all. That is just based on me having some optimism. Because I also think that at some point, I'm going to go a day without having an orthopedic injury. It remains to be seen whether that's actually true, but I'm going to go ahead and hope that that's true.
1: I mean, I'd like to think that everyone I know that's gotten COVID, Omicron, that's been vaxxed and boosted, it's not really... What do they call that breakthrough anymore? Because you have very minimal symptoms. And every story I read or BBC, 99 out of 100 people hospitalized are unvaccinated. And the 1% that isn't are medically compromised old people with cancer who have been vaccinated.
2: Right. So that sounds like sort of as clear as you're going to get, which is no one said this vaccine was going to make you never catch it. We did say it was going to make you not die from it. And that has always been the goal. And it seems like everything is moving along according to plan. Um, You know, you still are going to have naysayers that think that the risk posed by getting the vaccine is somehow greater than the risk of getting sick. I cannot understand that. Um, I might understand that in a vacuum if you were weighing a vaccine against a disease that isn't out there rampant in your community. But I don't really understand the thought process when someone says, I'm afraid to get vaccinated because that might have long-term side effects or harmful, you know, down the road. But they're not equally concerned that getting COVID won't do the same thing. I don't understand that kind of logic, but I have learned that, you know, not everyone is as adept at dealing with straightforward logic, you know? And I think that that's, I don't say that to be, you know, to look down my nose at people. I say it like, it's important to understand, like people's minds work in different ways. Um, So all we can do is kind of keep showing these people, we've gotten vaccinated, we haven't died from it. You know, we haven't had any adverse side effects. We've also not gotten sick. So perhaps think about it.
1: So we're coming up on the one-year anniversary of the first vaccine rollouts, and half the planet has gotten two shots. And there's no 100% here, but I think it's safe to say that most people on the planet that have gotten vaccinated have not died from the vaccine, and it's completely safe. What more do you need? But logic doesn't matter.
2: Right. So listen, we ha- I think our job is to be a good example and you know and and to to try our best to spread the good messaging, which is like, listen, if you've chosen to not get vaccinated, then your responsibility is to do something that you know is safe, which is stay your ass at home.
1: Well, they're not doing that either.
2: No, I know they're not. but which and and, and what is the reason for that? Like, you know what I mean? Like that's yeah. not because they're afraid of adverse side effects. That's just out of plain old selfishness. Right. So, um, so there it is. on that note.
1: And, that and, that and if note, you're a Supreme
2: p- Court justice and you're sitting next to someone who's 83 and next to someone who is a diabetic, put your fucking mask on.
1: I'm fairly sure Neil listens to this broadcast. Are,
2: are you- <laughs>
1: fairly sure he follows you on Law and Crime. He, he's best friends with Dan Abrams. I uh, guarantee you, Neil listens to this. Show.
2: You know, and he he seems like he'd be so nice. Like he seems like he would like me. But now I feel like I would definitely not like him.
1: Right. Okay.
2: On that note. On that note, have a wonderful week. I'm going to try not to get hurt between Please this week Please just
1: and next stop week. doing everything.
2: I'm going to stop doing
1: everything. We need you to be around in a uh, less agonized format.
2: <laughs> yes. The less agonized version of Allura. That is yeah. who I'm going to try to be in 2022. All
1: right, friends. We'll see you next week. Bye, everybody.
2: That's all for now. If you like On, be sure to subscribe, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, follow us on social, and tell all your friends to listen. Tell us your shit show of a healthcare story by leaving a message for us at 855-AUDIO-66, and we might just use it in a future show. VaxOn is a product of Offscript Health. We are a healthcare engagement company built for patients and caregivers by patients and caregivers. Our executive producers are Matthew Zachary and Andrew McDowell. Our senior producer is Brianna Seely. Our hosts are Matthew Zachary and Alora Nanos. It is recorded, mixed, and edited by Brianna Seeley. For advertising and media inquiries, email media at offscriptnot.com. That's media at offscript.com. For more information, visit offscript.com.